No one in procurement gets fired for not buying a new product. How do we change that? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and to our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back. It's episode 77 and thanks for downloading. I'm chuffed to tell you that we're now in the top 5% of all podcasts around the world. So thank you to everyone who's helping to spread the word by telling their friends and colleagues. Thanks also if you've had time to rate the podcast. I really appreciate it. And of course, it helps more people find out about the circular economy and be inspired by the stories of those people helping the world become more circular. In today's episode, I'm talking to Steve Haskew of Circular Computing. We first talked to Steve back in episode 24, and since then, Circular Computing has been awarded a kite mark from the British Standards Institute. In fact, it's the world's first BSI kite mark for remanufactured laptops. Steve explains what a kite mark is and why it's important. Steve also tells us how the kite mark has opened up conversations with new customers and partners and why it's important to realise that a zero-carbon future can only happen if we go all-in for a circular economy. So let's talk to Steve Haskew, and I'll jump back in afterwards with what I took away from our conversation. Steve, welcome back to the Circular Economy podcast. After we spoke last time about all the benefits of remanufactured IT back in episode 24, I was so impressed that I finally decided to replace my seven-year-old Dell laptop by buying a remanufactured circular computing Dell laptop. So thanks very much to you for sorting out all the logistics and the setup support for that. It's great to have you as a client. And in this quick update, I know you're keen to tell us about the developments with the kite mark. But first of all, can you explain what a kite mark is? Of course. The, the kite mark is a, a British Standards Institute a mark of trust for consumers. Uh, and quite often, Catherine, it's a precursor to ISOs. So, for instance, ISO 14001, which is an environmental standard, the precursor to that was, was designed by the British Stand, Standards Institute, uh, from which then the International Standards Organization uh, can adopt best practice. Um, so the kite mark for us represents a, a third party verification around a, a standard within BSI, which is a technical thing called, called BS8887. And that particular standard says your output from, the, from a factory must produce a laptop equal to or better than new. And the BSI kite mark certifies to our users that that actually is true. That's a really good phrase, isn't it? Um, better than or equal to a new one. So that's that's a really great label 
to have on on the products. Yeah. And I'm curious to know why Circular Computing decided to pursue the Kite Mark um, and what it involved. Um, our target has always been uh, B2B and um, the, the product itself is central to industry and public sector clients' day-to-day -day operations. It's how they do their day job. If you come to them with a, a product offering that in any way compromises their ability to perform their job, then they're not going to engage with you. So the only way that they can get confidence is if a recognized third party actually comes by, audits your factory, looks at what you do, has a, has a really thorough understanding of the process, and then, and then confirms actually what these guys are doing and what they're saying is matter of fact true. The kite mark then represents, a, not it's more so for our customer, it removes the perception that uh, an alternative to new is, is second best or second user is second best. When, it, when in, in fact, if you have a process to, to bring things back to a new state, it's actually much better. Mm. And we had a, a similar discussion, uh, or I had a similar discussion um, with Astrid at TechBuyer, um, where they realized that their remanufactured enterprise equipment was more reliable than new. And that was probably because of the multiple extra tests that it went through instead of just batch testing off mm -hmm. the end of a production line. And so how's getting the kite mark actually changed things? Um, we were engaged uh, in different parts of our supply chain. Um, we have the, the upstream, so, so the products coming to our factory, the production of, of, of those to a, a new circuit computing device. Then the downstream was where this really made an impact. Um, shortly after we received the kite mark, so in, in and around August, September time, we, we signed uh, heads of terms with Panasonic. Uh, they have a range of laptops called a Toughbook, which are, are effectively military-grade products. Um, by their by their nature, they're very expensive, so they would be four to five thousand pounds sterling. And as a, as a result of that, the um, the barrier to entry for them is really high for their customers because obviously the 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 volume of machines that a customer can buy is limited to, the, to their budgets uh, spend. Whereas a remanufactured device might come in at less than a thousand pounds, that then opens their market completely uh, wide to a, to a new audience um, because the barrier to entry is, is so much lower. In addition to to Panasonic, which that, and that was an, an amazing event. That that there's no way that Panasonic would reputationally engage with an organisation with their brand uh, if they felt at all compromised. So that was a real big kind of rubber stamp on our our ability to perform. And secondary to that is an organization called Atos. Uh, they turn over maybe 17 billion, a very, very large global systems integrator. Uh, I think they're quoted on the French stock exchange. Um, they're a super company to, to work with. They have a decarbonization strategy. They're helping their clients decarbonize. And again, following the, the kite mark, they could take confidence that actually we were in the right state to be represented by their brand to their market. And of, course, and of course, these things will take time in terms of entry to market as their customers get to learn about what we do. But we have a re two really good bedfellows in Panasonic and Atos now that are taking us into, into their market um, and uh, allowing us to help their clients decarbonize their IT estate. Mm. 
Mm. And it's a really good vote of confidence in, in the whole concept of remanufacturing, isn't it? Um, yeah. you know, it starts starts to open up all sorts of other conversations inside those companies. And so I gather you've also been keeping an eye on UK government policies, including the UK Environment Bill and the Greening IT strategy. So can you tell us anything about the targets for public procurement, which we know um, there's a massive opportunity to help for public procurement to help things go circular and give good circular signals and direction to all their suppliers? Um, so what, what can you um, tell us about what's ha- been happening there? If we look at, say, the Environment Bill that was uh, drawn up in, um, in, in Theresa May's uh, tenure, um, that's gone through Royal Assent. And when we look at um, the Environment Bill, we consider particularly resource preservation, which, which sits under SDG 12, sustainable production and consumption, which we believe has a direct impact on SDG 13. In fact, the evidence suggests that that's very much the case if you look at the key drivers in those sustainable development goals. So we must we must take direction from, from the United Nations in that regard. But the reason that um, that's an important event is that it enabled the greening ICT agenda, which has been driven by DEFRA, which has three main business rules, to, to really kind of grab hold. And those, those three business rules are, business rule one, um, they, they require themselves to, to meet net zero by 2050 or, or sooner, which means two things. One, they must consume renewable energy as 100%, and two, they will only work with carbon neutral supplies. So that's business rule one. Business rule two, um, which is a circular economy and resource to waste strategy. Uh, they want to see a yearly increase in procured ICT and services that's from a remanufactured uh, or refurbished estate, but we obviously look into remanufactured, and they want 0% to landfill and an annual increase in reuse and material recycling and preservation. So that fits within a circular economy-based theme. And then business rule three is to meet transparency and accountability commitments, which looks into the into ethics, modern-day slavery, uh, and, and those themes, which is also incredibly uh, important. Uh, and as an organisation, we're able to, to bring those three things to the public sector. And we see the public sector as being a key component to change here. Whilst they're a big, a, a big sort of tanker to change direction, they have been working tirelessly under the radar for like 15 years on these themes. So it's not as if they've just come, come to market and woken up. It's just that they needed more stars to align. Uh, and I think that we see the, um, the shortage in, um, in, in global uh, microchips currently being a key driver to accelerate this transition because the alternative to new, if you don't think of an alternative product, is nothing. Mm. So if, if there's no supply in the supply chain and you're not prepared to explore an alternative version of new, then the only other choice is, no, is nothing. Mm. So we've, we've seen public sector having to, to look into the alternatives, which is second user marketplace, refurbished and then remanufactured as a separate grade. And, and the, the last um, year or so has been, has been very good for us. It's allowed us to learn how that, how that market works. It's allowed us to engage with that market meaningfully, uh, working with uh, the supply chain, the, the reseller market to make sure that their contracts can be completed and so forth. Um, so ultimately, um, we believe that once the public sector grab hold of it, and there are certain things in there also that are 
public procurement notices, which says if you're if you're not on board with a decarbonisation strategy yourselves, then there's no place for you at the table, which is right, which means that, that all suppliers to government need to decarbonise, which means that their supply chains need to decarbonise, and so you get this rippling effect out towards the edges of society, which means that everything will, will, will take hold. The public sector being, the, in our market, the biggest uh, cons consumer of IT. So it's a really positive thing, the Environment Bill and the Greening ICT agenda. Mm, that's great to see. And I think it's back to that adage, isn't it, that constraints drive innovation. Um, I think so. You know, the, the, yeah. the more you constrain strain what's available, the, the more creative people have to get. And I think whilst um, microchips are kind of in the news a lot at the moment, I always encourage people to think about everything in their resource list their bill of materials you know what what might you not expect to be disrupted whether that's by um you know global demand increasing or some kind of disruption to supply um, and we're looking at weather events and all sorts of other things that are going to affect a whole host of materials um so it's you know it's really worth thinking from a business perspective of um what happens if i can't get this product or this material um, you know, what What am I dependent on and what alternatives do I have? And the whole thing about reusing what we've already got is is absolutely key to that, isn't it? I think so. I think, I think also if, as individuals, we take a step back and say, OK, we know that the greening, the, the greening Build Back Better agenda is coming. That, that's, that's been underwritten by all major political organisations around the world. You know, they require the same component technology that a laptop needs, whether it be a, a, an electric vehicle, a wind farm, solar hydro, whichever way you look, they still they all require the same component technology. So whether it's a microchip shortage or a gold shortage or whatever the components require to make a laptop, they're going to, even though the laptop uh, um, demand has gone from 160 million to 250 million because of COVID, and that looks like it's going to be maintained at 250 million. Additional to that, the rest of the world wants the same component technology. So everyone's dipping into the, the ever-vanishing pool of resources the globe has to offer. So I, I actually think there's common sense at play here as well, which is we recognise there's a problem. We just need to know where to look for solutions. And then it's about perception and the education and the training of, of, of everybody in, in the supply line to make sure that there's no compromise. Of, of course, as a remanufacturer, we rely on the, the, the very best um, version of a laptop at, at, the, first, at, the, at the first stage. So we, we need original product to remanufacture. Um, so we believe being part of the solution as the manufacturers make this transition from a linear economy to a circular economy kind of is our principal job is to, is to, is to teach, to educate, uh, and to make sure that we don't lose sight of, of the commercial reality of that we know we need to turn the lights on at the end of the day. Mm. Um, but to help everybody make the transition as part of our, our job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know you were very interested in what was happening at COP26 um, last, last, late last year. And we saw lots of new corporate net zero and science-based targets um, sort of being publicised as part of that. How have science-based targets and the Kite Mark changed the conversations with people in the C-suite and with um, customers' IT teams? Um, it was. I was fortunate enough to get to to Glasgow for COP26, and I think, I think um, it helped me. It helped me really reshape my thinking, 
with with what we're achieving um and, and that is that the circular economy has remanufacturing as a as a as a, as a part of it in fact it sits in the hierarchy of, of, of the circular economy in terms of uh, extending the life cycle of a product but certainly by doing that you're um you're reducing the the factory output of, of, of carbon those carbon emissions and, and, and therefore the, the circular economy sits as a as a center to a decarbonized future um, but we rely upon uh, other third party parts of industry to hit net zero so so saying we're going to do net zero by a certain time the intent is brilliant but for instance we you know we make things and we move things around the globe as an organization that that's our day job so we rely on sustain, sustainable aviation fuel and carriers to use sustainable avi aviation fuel to transport our product or we could go by sea you know or if 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 we could if we could we could walk it across the the, the borders uh, but time is very much of the essence with our, our line of products so generally we'll fly it we're relying therefore on third parties to use sustainable aviation fuel which is more expensive and our, our consumers won't, won't pay the additional so we have to go down an offset path in the short term do i think we're going to get there i do think we're going to get there um but it's going to it's going to take a shift in in behavior which we spoke about earlier on catherine and just um a willingness to want to, to be a better version tomorrow and i think coming out of the troubles of the last few years which have been um in my lifetime like nothing i've ever seen i i get a sense that the sun is brighter that people actually are prepared to, to 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 make an effort to build back better and do things more differently. And I think now is the time to help people on that journey. And I think that's part of our job, which is why being involved with you on this podcast is super important for us. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's interesting, isn't it, that it comes back to the constraints and innovation again. That we did things, you know, everybody had to do things during the lockdown and during the the pandemic. Um, that we never would have considered um, and suddenly mindsets changed and we realised how quickly, if we all did something, how quickly things could change. Um, and so that kind of realisation that if we all do small things, big things can happen. Um, you know, if we, if we all take care around other people and wear masks and, and um, you know, wash our hands loads of times, then we can help keep a, a, a pandemic under control um, just by doing very simple things. Then that, I think, can encourage people that by making slightly different purchasing decisions, slightly different decisions about what we eat. I was just reading something in The Guardian at the weekend that I posted on LinkedIn about um, restaurants using nudge tactics to remind people about what's happening with the environment and to remind people about how many of other people have, have chosen to eat less meat. And they found that putting those statements on menus meant that people chose more veggie options. So very simple yeah. things can encourage different behaviour and normalise things in a very short space of time. So what we need is, um, you know, people people making buying decisions in companies to be have to have a circular mindset don't we so they're thinking about circular first um and linear as kind of last resort and i and i i think, you know, I think so and i also think that the 
the the way that we the way that we think through buying needs to be um, a societal thing. You know, when I'm buying something, I, I, I tend to because I've, I'm in the business. I tend to think is is this the most sustainable way I can procure this this item? Um, do I actually know what that means? You know, mm. and and if if in in asking those questions, you stop and think about actually what what you're doing. Uh, and y- you require an answer that is more sustainable than just convenience. I'll buy it from there because it's really convenient. It makes you stop and think. Yeah, which is a first step. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think and and just deciding what questions you're going to ask and and thinking about what's it, what's important to you. You know, is it is local more important than than um. Uh, I don't know the the carbon footprint or whatever. Everybody should have their own set of values in terms of what's it because you know there are some trade-offs aren't there but yeah sure. so um so it's it's really good to hear about all that progress and um you know the the kite mark is really impressive and um sounds like it's opening up some some different conversations with important companies that can really make a difference and as we said normalize remanufactured kit and and get across the message that um, it's as good as, if not better in some cases, um, than buying new. So, Steve, before you go, could you please let us know how people can find out more about circular computing and get in touch um, with the company and you? Of course. Thank you, Catherine. Um, our website is www.circularcomputing.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter on circ- at CircularIT, as well as LinkedIn. Uh, circular Computing would be the, the hashtag there. Um, we welcome um, inquiries about sustainability. Obviously, we welcome inquiries about laptops, but we're here, we're here to help with the journey. Thank you so much, Steve. It's great to um, bring us up today on a few of the developments at Circular Computing, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next. And I'll uh, keep spreading the word on all the benefits of remanufactured IT. Catherine, you're a game changer. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Third-party, independent certifications, like the KiteMark, are really helping change the perception of, of remanufacturing, enabling people to feel confident that what they're buying is just as good as, if not better than a new model. These certifications can be a game-changer for business-to-business procurement, as there are more decision-makers involved, and some of those decision-makers might be either sceptical or just worried about recommending a different way of doing things. As Steve said, no one in the IT department gets fired for not buying new equipment. It was interesting to hear how the kite mark led to some fruitful conversations for circular computing. First with Panasonic, leading to the remanufacture of the Toughbook. That opens up a whole new market for Panasonic, enabling customers who couldn't justify the cost of a Toughbook, typically around four times more than a standard laptop, but who can see the benefit in terms of the robust specification, lower risk of failure in challenging working conditions, and so on. Remanufacturing is a massive new market, and the Kite Mark really helps back up the quality and reliability of the branded laptops that circular computing can offer. Steve pointed out how remanufactured IT equipment can help with the green procurement policies being rolled out across the public and private sectors, And of course, it also helps organisations meet their carbon reduction targets. Some customers are going further with green procurement and setting carbon reduction targets for the IT team and other functions. 
The circular computing laptops are a great way to engage individuals too. Those using the laptop can feel good about what they're using every working day, just as I do. It's a great way for everyone to spread the word on the circular economy and remanufacturing. I've still got my head down in book writing, trying to piece together the complex jigsaw of all the issues and risks that businesses are facing now and are looming up on the horizon. It's all taking much longer than I expected, and so I'm sorry that I'm not posting much on LinkedIn and that I've not managed to send out any circular insights for a couple of months. I'll be asking people to help shape the book and to help me make sure that it fits the needs of business leaders and people who want to help their organisation to benefit from circular approaches. I'll be looking for people who are in product-related businesses in any sector. If you'd like to know more, please drop me an email. Hello at rethinkglobal.info So that's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Steve Haskew of Circular Computing, and thank you for listening. You can find out more and follow Steve on social media. And as usual, you can find all the links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. If you want to find episodes on a particular circular economy strategy, or for a market sector, or specific countries, check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at www.circulareconomypodcast.com. And every episode includes an interview transcript. Don't forget that you can help make the circular economy happen too, with the choices you make at work and in your everyday life. Buying pre-used, keeping what you have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. And you can help spread the word. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook how to build a more resilient, competitive and sustainable business. The book takes you through the concepts and practicalities with lots of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice and circular economy resources at www.rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening to the end and if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe and we'll see you next time. <music>